Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. For the better part of the last decade, science fiction finally evolved from a niche genre into a mainstream staple. And while many people are familiar with the so-called fathers and grandfathers of genre, the women who have been instrumental in creating and shaping the nerdverse have largely gone unrecognized. Until today. I'm Courtney Enlow, and this is Sci-Fi Wire Fangirl's Forgotten Women of Genre, a podcast where we tell the stories of the women who helped some of the most famous fantasy worlds become a reality. Follow the lead of nature, or God, if you like your Bible stories, male and female created to them. Be fruitful and multiply. Create a race, a man-made race upon the face of the earth. Why not? Those are the words of advice that the mad Dr. Pretorius gives to his former student, Dr. Henry Frankenstein, in the James Whale movie, Bride of Frankenstein. If one is to create life, then one must share it equally among the sexes. The bride that was created to be the mate of Frankenstein's iconic monster is a creature as iconic as the one played by Boris Karloff. As depicted by Elsa Lanchester, The bride wears a billowing white dress, not unlike a wedding dress, accompanied by ragged bandages wrapped around her arms that take the look from bridal to clinical. The conical hair, inspired by Nefertiti, with two lightning-like streaks of white hair down each side, has been the stuff of Halloween costume dreams for many a decade. Altogether, the ensemble is witchy, campy, ramshackle, and ever so stylish. And it was all the work of Vera West. In the early days of Hollywood, huge swaths of people working on movies never received a single credit. Editors were left without attribution, and in the medium's first days, even actors weren't named. Thankfully, this changed over time, but there were certain areas where people, often women, were left without the recognition they sorely deserved. And few women in the golden age of Hollywood horror understood that better than costume designer Vera West. Many costume designers had become big names, like Edith Head and Howard Greer. But like many female-dominated areas of the industry, it was seen as grunt work or feminine labor that didn't need such a claim. Looking back now, it seems absurd that West, one of the women who defined the oft-imitated aesthetic of classic horror's first wave, would be almost forgotten by history. Countless filmmakers, costumers, and creators have walked in the footsteps of those iconic horror titles made by Universal during the 1930s and 40s. And those outfits are as integral to the genre's history as its blood and scares. In many ways, Vera West, who worked to no credit and died under very mysterious circumstances, created modern horror. Vera West was born on June 28, 1900 in New York City. Little is known about her early life, although it has been documented that she studied at the Philadelphia Institute of Design. Her tutor, 
was the designer Lady Duff Gordon, one of the leading couturiers of the time and one of the pioneers in creating less restrictive corsets and lingerie for women. After graduation, West moved to New York City and designed dresses for an exclusive salon on Fifth Avenue. But her time there was cut short in the mid-1920s, which forced her to flee to Hollywood. Nobody knows what happened during this brief period of her life for sure, but speculation would run rampant after West's death, which we'll come back to later. Whatever the case, West moved West and in 1927 became the head costume designer of Universal Pictures. The first film she received a costume designer credit for was The Man Who Laughs, a 1928 film based on Victor Hugo's novel and starring Conrad Veidt. The Man Who Laughs isn't technically a horror movie. It's billed more as a romantic drama. But that horrifying image of Veidt as Gwynplaine, a freak show attraction permanently disfigured with a maniacal grin, is the stuff of nightmares. The look was so terrifying that it ended up being one of the primary sources of inspiration for a little comic book character called the Joker. Maybe you've heard of him. West didn't work on this look, but she did design the slinky, vampirish dresses of the female characters, all of which were very much the stuff of a pre-Hays Code-era Hollywood. This would be West's modus operandi for the rest of her career with Universal. According to Dr. Deborah Landis, current president of the Costume Designers Guild in Hollywood, Vera West only designed the principal women's clothes in horror films. But what costumes? Helen Chandler's silk negligees in Dracula, Sita Johan's ever-so-modern dress in The Mummy, the Art Deco halter gown and Egyptian-inspired headdresses of the Cobra Woman, the lavish stage costumes of Christine in the 1943 version of The Phantom of the Opera, and, of course, The Bride of Frankenstein. The Bride of Frankenstein. West made costumes for the damsels, the vamps, the wives of mad scientists, and the objects of monsters' obsessions. At a time when horror was the box office king, these were some of the most visible roles in Hollywood for actresses, and West worked to make sure her stars looked incredible. She loved to clothe heroines in negligees and silk dresses, all of which pushed the boundaries of decency at a time when Hollywood was clamping down heavily on sexual content on screen. In Todd Browning's Dracula, the women wear white satin, emphasizing their innocence soon to be lost at the hands of the Count. At the time, it was common for Spanish-language versions of these films to be made at the same time for a simultaneous release. So for the Spanish-language Dracula, West sexed up the costumes even further. Necklines dipped deeper, satin became ever more translucent. In the first Frankenstein film, the doctor's fiance, as played by Mae Clark, spends most of the film in swaths of white lace, and the wedding dress she loses her life in is a vision of purity, with an exceedingly long veil and sleeves embroidered with flowers. Even the Bride of Frankenstein, the supposed monster of humanity's hubris, is still styled for one hell of a wedding, her bandaged arms akin to opera gloves. West helped to craft the first age of the Scream Queen, one where glamour danced proudly with fear. West also worked on non-horror titles, like Sherlock Holmes and the Secret Code, the 1936 version of the musical Showboat, and Alfred Hitchcock's 1943 thriller, Shadow of a Doubt. 
She left Universal Pictures in 1946, and her final credited work as listed on IMDb was for a 1947 Claudette Colbert comedy called The Egg and I. She then designed a couture collection for a dress shop at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. But on June 29, 1947, Vera West died. From the moment the news hit the papers, West's death was shrouded in mystery and conspiracy. A report in the San Jose Evening News, dated June 30, 1947, described the mysterious, potentially sinister circumstances under which West seemingly committed suicide. Her body, clad in a nightgown, according to the report, was described as floating in the swimming pool of her sprawling ranch home in North Hollywood. West's body was found by Robert Landry, a photographer for Life magazine best known for taking the first photos of the 1942 attack on Pearl Harbor. He had been staying in the guest house on West's estate and had been alerted to the trouble when he saw her dogs waiting poolside. Two notes were found on the scene. One said, This is the only way. I'm tired of being blackmailed. The other read, The fortune teller told me there was only one way to duck the blackmail I've paid for 23 years. Death. Both notes were addressed to a Jack Chandler. It's unknown who this may have been, although police at the time thought it may be her way of addressing her husband, cosmetic salesman Jack C. West. He told police he knew nothing about blackmail. A New York Times report alleged that Jack West had told authorities that his wife's claims of blackmail were merely a figment of her imagination. He said he was thoroughly acquainted with his wife's finances and had no knowledge or evidence of blackmail, but that Vera was subject to periods of depression. Jack claimed to have been staying at the Beverly Hills Hotel on the night of her death, having left the house following a bad argument where divorce was discussed. Assistant County Autopsy Surgeon Dr. Marvin Goodwin's initial report on West's death was that she had died from asphyxia, probably due to drowning. However, his superior, Dr. Frederick Newbar, refused to sign a death certificate until further tests were taken, including chemical examination for drug use. Police detectives looked into West's case, but ultimately it went cold. No proof of this blackmailer was ever found, nor the fortune teller. Jack West would later bulldoze their home and move away. There is no available reporting or information on him after 1947. To this day, Vera West's mysterious death is one that intrigues and puzzles true crime and Hollywood fans alike. Amateur detectives have pored over the scant evidence available, looking for answers. Theories have frequently curled back to that strange period in the 1920s when she left New York for Los Angeles. What happened? Did she commit some sort of crime? Did she become embroiled in an illicit affair? Did she birth an illegitimate child? The theories are vast, and there's not a speck of proof for any of them. There are nearly impenetrable online conspiracies that claim West was a victim of a curse while working on films like The Wolfman, or that her death was connected to some sort of cover-up related to James Whale's death although the latter theories seem to forget that Whale didn't die by suicide until a full decade after West. One favorite theory is that West ran afoul of Maria Ushpenskaya, a Russian actress who played the fortune teller in The Wolfman. Due to the lack of solid reporting and biographical details on West's life available to us, 
on top of how seldom she was credited for her work, it's easy to drum up all manner of stories about her death. The sad thing is how few of them seem truly interested in her life. Nowadays, costume designers are more widely celebrated in cinema, and it remains a woman-heavy field. Women like Sandy Powell from Mary Poppins Returns, Colleen Atwood from Alice in Wonderland, Jenny Beaven from Mad Max Fury Road, and the late Aiko Ishioka from Bram Stoker's Dracula helped to revolutionize costume design in genre filmmaking, and their great work continues to this day. The iconography of horror in cinema is heavily rooted in costuming, particularly that of women, as our roles in the genre have evolved from damsels and victims to heroes and villains and everything in between. So much of that began with Vera West. She wasn't properly credited at the time, and we shouldn't forget her work now. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written by Kaylee Donaldson, read by Courtney Enlow, and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.